Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Great to have you with us here on the GM Shuffle. We begin, because Mike is a writer, the rule of three is a writing principle that suggests the trio of events or characters is more humorous, satisfying, or effective than other numbers. The Latin phrase, omne trium perfectum, everything that comes in threes is perfect, or every set of three is complete, conveys the same idea as the rule of three. Welcome once again to the GM Shuffle. Here today, Mike, we are going to present the rule of three. Love it. Yeah. And I think it's background, right? I think a couple things we need to get straightened out. First of all, you know, free agency, AD, we talked about it last week. I know I've been accused of not making the Patriots sound like they didn't overpay. Everybody overpays in free agency. I want to be very clear about that. I've never said you don't overpay in free agency. However, that being said, I think we as fans, we, the media, it's very challenging to evaluate these deals when you read the deal, you know, William Jackson signed a three-year contract at $40 million, 26 guaranteed. Most of these deals, when they come through the league office, they're 20% less than what's been reported. So the agents are fudging the deals to make it look better. Okay? So now we're evaluating these deals based on phony numbers. That doesn't help you very much. Okay? You know, Cam Newton's $14 million, but he's really three and a half. And then we're evaluating in this sport, which I think is most critical. We're asking to evaluate dollar sign on the muscle based on understanding scheme, which most fans don't understand, and then how players fit within the scheme. I can remember being in a meeting with Al Davis, and we were going over free agency, and Al asked a coach, he said, what do you think of this guy? And the coach went into this whole diatribe about, well, you know, I don't think he's worth the money. I don't think he can do this. I don't think he can do that. Yada, 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 yada. And Al said, oh, fuck. With all due respect. And whenever Al went to the all due respect mode, like like in the Goodfellas or, you know, in, in Godfather, all due respect, whenever he went there, shit was coming at your heart. Okay. Like it was a Sandy Koufax fastball. Like hold on to your ass. Here it comes. With all due respect. You don't know a fucking thing about what players cost and what they're worth. Just tell me what the fucker can do. And that's really the essence of this free agency. Nobody knows who's critiquing these deals. They don't really understand it. They don't understand the value. They don't understand any of that. And so we're asking you, we're asking people to critique them. And it's not right. And you said, well, Lombardi, how the fuck do you know? Well, all I'm saying is, look, I'm not questioning anybody what they paid for player. What I have issues with, and we'll get into it as we start, with understanding what the market value is. And that's exactly the key, like you said. And uh, yeah, there was more than a couple of tweets. Oh yeah, Lombardi just pro-Patriots. Like you said, listen, they overpaid, but they got players, they got filled needs, et cetera. Whether or not Nelson Aguilar is going to work or Mills is going to work is besides the point. Ultimately, you're taking a chance with guys and you're trying to swing for the fences. 
This brings us to the rule of threes as we look at what has happened so far with free agency. So, three moves that Mike loves. And for all those Patriots fans, yes, Mike will not include anything from the Patriots, okay? We'll kick it off first off with the Packers re-signing Aaron Jones. Four-year contract worth $48 million includes a $13 million signing bonus, and the deal includes $20 million over the first two years. This is notable, Mike, because so often we look at running backs and say, well, they're a dime a dozen. They're easily replaceable. I'm surprised. Why is this a move that you really love? I love it because he's not a running back. He's a weapon. And I've been saying that on this podcast forever. I think they had to resign him. Big Daddy Vince, the the Packer fan of all Packer fans, he said it was a wasted draft pick if they didn't resign him. I love that. And only he can be that negative. If you think I'm negative, like, all I can tell you is, look, I completely negative when it comes to the 76ers. And I was watching Arkansas basketball the other day because I'm a huge Musselman fan. Some idiot called Musselman. This guy, Todd Furman, called Musselman a shitty coach. Can you imagine that? Like, seriously. Does he ever watch any guy coach? But anyway, so I said to my son, Mick, I was like, like I'm in for, like the game started at six, at six, the, the Arkansas game started at six. So, and then the Sixer game was at eight. I said to my son, Mick, I said, I'm in for about five hours of complete negativity, just complete negativity. Cause I'm just going to be negative for five hours. And, and of course that's what I was, but Big Daddy is always negative about the Packers. And I kept saying to him, Vince, like, this guy's a really good player. They got a good player. They drafted him in the fifth round. He's a steal. Yeah, but if they don't re-sign him, he's a wasted draft pick. How he got that logic, I don't know. But here's what I love about the deal. I love the fact that he is so good in the passing game. The last two seasons, over 40 catches. I love that he can impact the passing game, not from screens or or running swing passes, but actually running seams, option routes. Like there's an unlimited amount to what this kid could do in the passing game. And yeah, I know he's had over 200 carries the last two seasons. He's averaged right around five yards a carry in that time. He's got 24 touchdowns over the last two years, so he's been remarkable. But I think the more they add him into the passing game, the more he's on the field with A.J. Dillon, right? Here's what I think people make a huge mistake with. No one wants to pay a runner. Like That's why Leonard Fournette's not getting paid. Even though Leonard can catch the ball, he can't run routes. No one wants to pay a runner, but they'll pay a weapon. And I think Aaron Jones is a weapon. Yeah, that goes back to the fact why you're a big fan of Alvin Kamara. You don't look at him as a running back. You look at him as a dual threat, a weapon, a guy that can be a great receiver. You're a fan of Taysom Hill because he's a fan who can be a quarterback or a fullback at your key yard. So that does fit with your, your ethos when it comes to the weapons. This one, these two are interesting. You're lumping together here. A linebacker, Hassan Reddick to the Panthers, and the running back, Mike Davis, another running back here, Mike Davis to the Falcons. So Davis, modest deal. Two years, five and a half million, three million fully guaranteed with the Falcons. And Reddick signs to the Panthers a one-year deal a max value of eight mil includes six mil guaranteed. I'm guessing you like these moves because it's low money, low cost, high reward. Yeah, and I think both players played really well last year. I think Riddick, you know, he got five sacks against the great New York football giant team. Don't say a bad word about them. You're not allowed to because if you don't say anything positive about their signings, you're going to get ripped on Twitter. So, uh, you know, I, I thought he had a really good year last year. I think he could set the edge. I think he gives him a physical presence. Plus, here's what I like about the move. Matt Rule knows the kid. Matt Rule knows what the kid can do. And he'll put him in the right situation to highlight what his skill set is. So I really like that. And I really think, you know, when you look at the running back, the running guy, I, th- I thought Carolina, Carolina should have definitely signed, you know, Mike back. I think they definitely should have signed Davis back because I thought he was a really good power back. And I thought he caught the ball out of the backfield really well. I think this is an economic deal. I mean, how 
How great of a deal was this for Atlanta? When you think about it, they gave all that money to Todd Gurley and Mike Davis is a much better back. Now, Mike Davis is one of those hit or miss guys, right? San Francisco missed, Seattle hit, Chicago missed, Carolina hit. You know, he's been a little inconsistent, but I think he's matured enough. This is a really good deal for Atlanta because I do think Arthur Smith will understand how to use him. He's a power player. He can run with power from the backfield, plus he can catch the ball. He'll help their play-action pass game, and it'll help their offensive line. I like it. And a cornerback for the third move that you love, William Jackson to D.C., three years, $40.5 million contract, $26 million guaranteed, max value of $42 million. Cornerback's always so important because you can shut down the other team's uh, top receiver. If you look at that division, you look at the, the top weapons from Dallas, um, you know, or the Giants or the Eagles, obviously important, but a shutdown corner, very important. What do you like about Jackson? Well, I like the fact that he's long. And I know he only has three interceptions over the last three, last four years of his career. So he doesn't make a lot of plays on the ball. But I think a lot of that has to do with the fact they're always playing from behind in Cincinnati. Right? He can't take as many chances. I think he's a really good guy. I think when you add a – I always break corners up into like, bre- like meals. Like a breakfast corner is a corner who wins early. A dinner corner is a corner who wins late. Right, He plays off coverage. He reads. Revis was a really good dinner corner. He understood the routes. He understood the splits. He could read it. He had great, great burst at the top of the route. He understood what the receivers were trying to do. Whereas like Rod Woodson was great early. He was fabulous. He punched you. You know, you might beat him on a double move once, but that was it. You're not getting him twice. So I think Jackson can be a really good breakfast corner. I think he's a guy that can win early. And with this pass rush, I think people are not going to want to throw the ball on his side. I think it gives him a legitimate, big, physical cover guy, something they needed. All right, so that's the moves you love. Now we get to the fun stuff, right? The three moves that Mike hates. Kick it off with Dory Jackson signing with the Giants. Three years, $39 million, max value of $44.5, $16 million in the first year, $27 million over the first two years. Now, Dory Jackson, this is a guy who was recently released by the Titans. I'm quoting here from ESPN.com, Jordan Ronan. Uh, he was in high demand with the Philadelphia Eagles in the mix until the final moments. Jackson was scheduled to visit the Eagles after the Giants on Monday. New York now adds Jackson to a defense already had Pro Bowler cornerback James Bradbury on one side. The hope is that the speedy Jackson is the ideal complement to the longer, more physical Bradbury. Jackson also brings versatility with his ability to play in the slot and serve as a returner. So I say that with all the positives, Mike. Why do you hate it? Well, because look, I mean, first of all, the guy hasn't played in two years, really, basically. He's had very little performance in two years. And so, you know, he's had his hand on seven balls in the last two seasons. So he doesn't make, and his return game, which is, and look, I love the Dory Jackson coming out. I love them coming out of college. I thought it was a great pick. But even when Tennessee had Logan Ryan, who's on the Giants as well, even when they had Malcolm Butler, even when they had a Dory Jackson, they couldn't cover anybody. They were not a good coverage team. They had to win with their pressure. And so for me, the fact that you mentioned the Eagles were in this, like seriously, that should say they over, like, would you care that the Eagles were interested in this player? <laughs> they have no fucking cap room. I'll drive, you know what I'd have told a Dory Jackson? I'll drive him to Philly if he liked. Like, where are they going to pay for this? They got no money to pay for this guy. Fuck, I'm not, I'm not falling for that bluff that they're going to give him 39 million. Are you kidding me? The guy hasn't played in two years. You can imagine Howie Roseman going in front of the Philadelphia media and saying, well, I just signed a Dory Jackson. The first thing they would say is, hey, asshole, you know, he never stays healthy. Here's another unhealthy player you're going to sign, and you gave him $39 million? You think Howie's going to stand in front of that group? There's no way he's walking out there. Hi, I just signed a Dory. Here, he doesn't play much, but we think he's going to get healthy this year. 
He was on IR most of last year. Tennessee needs corners, but they didn't want to resign him because they think he can't come back. He can't stay healthy. But I signed him for you, Philadelphia. Like, are you buying that? How are you buying that? <laughs> like, have some common sense. Who gives a shit if he's going to Philly? I'll give him the train ticket. Go. Go. I don't give it. Like, that's the oldest trick in the book. You know, he's got to always back up a trip on a trip that you're going. You know, like, are you kidding me? That that doesn't scare me in the least. Go. Phil, you want the, I'll pay for the ticket. I don't give a shit. <laughs> Why would I pay you all this money? You haven't played in two years, right? You won't, you're not a very good returner. You haven't made any plays on the football. Even when you started 13 games in 2018, you had two interceptions for seven yards. You only got your hands in those 13 games. You only got your hands on 10 balls. Like you've had, you've had your hands on six balls the last two seasons in 14 games. And now I just give you this money. Like some, and they said, well, the Giants, you know, like I, I don't hate the Giants. Like if they would have signed a Dory Jackson to a, a two-year deal at say two million or three, three million, three and a half, I would have said great signing. They're taking a chance on him. Like I would have been all for it because I liked him coming out. You can't sign him to this deal 39 for what? What are you paying him for? What are you paying him for? Oh, he's got averages 8.8 yards per return. His longest punt returns 46 yards. Kickoff return, he's had 25 of them. He averages 23-1. These are pedestrian numbers. You can get this from anybody. These aren't elite numbers. Hey, oh, by the way, AD, yeah. you know how many touchdowns he scored in the return game in three years? How many? Zero. <laughs> Zero. <laughs> uh, it's pretty damning. And here's the best part of that article I was reading to you. He started 41 of 46 games with Tennessee, but a knee injury just before the start of last season limited him to three games in 2020. To your point, he hasn't been healthy. That's a lot of money to give to a guy who has not been durable. That brings us to Andy Dalton. Signing with the Bears. One-year, $10 million contract. A max value of $13 million with incentives for the Bears. Listen, give it up for Andy Dalton's agent, okay? This guy could never win with the Cincinnati Bengals. Somehow goes over to Dallas as a backup. Dak Prescott gets hurt. All of a sudden, Dalton's the guy. Was fairly underwhelming, but no problem. We're going to get you another 10-figure deal. Chicago's options heading to free agency, Mike, were limited. Was not a lot of starting caliber talent available. This is a guy who's a 10 year veteran, and that's how they're going to sell this. Hey, 10 year veteran entering his 11th season in Chicago with 74 career wins. But how many people out there, Mike, honestly think Andy Dalton is the answer for the Bears? Come on. Yeah, seriously. I mean, doesn't this remind you of Phil Leotardi when he tells Tony, you know, I had a compromise. You know, I wanted manicotti. I settled for grilled cheese on a radiator. You know, I wanted to fuck a woman. I I jerked off into a, a napkin. You know, like, seriously. I, you see where I'm going here? Yeah. You see where I'm going here? That's what Phil says. To t you see where I'm going here? Like, and, and just so we know this. The one thing that fits this whole Andy Dalton signing is it fits because the Bears are going to have no scraps in their scrapbook when this is over. Nice. Like, they're going to have no scraps in their scrapbook. This is going to end. Because, look, I like Andy Dalton. I said he's a 2020 quarterback. The last three seasons of Andy Dalton, he's 13 and 22 as a starter. Okay? He's had 51 touchdown passes, 33 interceptions. I mean, he hasn't been very effective. And I've always called him a 2020 quarterback because he turns the ball over inside that red zone. He's had 33 interceptions in the last three years. Inside the 20, six of them, six have happened inside the 20. You know, and so he turns it over. And I just don't know where the Bears are going with this. Like, like they still need, like, here's what I don't want to do. And this is what I think the Giants did. I don't want to sign a player at a position and still need a player. 
Like you could say, okay, the Patriots overpaid. Yeah, they overpaid. Okay. But they signed Matt Judon. They don't need another defensive end. Right? You, you know, they signed uh they signed uh uh you know, Nelson Aguilar. They don't need another receiver. Now, he may not play as good as the numbers he got, but they don't need to go sign a receiver. Like, he's going to be able to get to the field and play. When you sign Andy Dalton, you still need a quarterback. And this is the problem with the Bears. Making. You see this all the time, right? What happens is guys go, well, I'm familiar with him. I'm comfortable, so it'll work. Since hiring Matt Nagy in 2018, at least one veteran quarterback on the active roster who's worked with the offensive staff in some capacity in the past. Chase Daniel worked with Nagy in Kansas City. Last offseason, the Bears added Nick Foles via trade. He worked with Nagy. Offensive coordinator Bill Lazor and quarterbacks coach John DeFilippo at some point in his career. Now with Dalton, Lazor worked with Dalton in Cincinnati for three seasons from 2016 until 20. 2018, first as a quarterbacks coach and then as an offensive coordinator for two seasons. So that just makes you feel like Lazer's in the room going, hey guys, I vouch for him. I worked with him. I can make it work. But so often that's not the case. Just because it's familiar doesn't mean it's going to be successful. They vouched for uh, Nick Foles. How'd that work out for him? <laughs> I mean, this is strictly a compromise. I mean, this is strictly a compromise. It's what it is, you know? And are they going to try to get a quarterback in the draft? It wouldn't surprise me if they did. You know, but I, I mean, Pace is really, you know, I call David Blaine Caldwell. I mean, Pace is becoming a magician himself. He might be Penn and Teller too because, uh, <laughs> because you know, how he survived this after the Trubisky debacle. And here's what I would say. It's really not about, well, can the Bears, can Andy Dalton carry the Bears? That's not the question Bears fans need to ask. The question Bear fans need to ask is, can the Bears team carry Andy Dalton? And my answer to that is right now, no. And that brings us to the next up on the list of the moves that you hate. Yannick Ngakwe going to Las Vegas, signing a two-year contract worth $26 million with the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, I'm going to read to you. This is from Bleacher Report, Blake Harris, on why he loves the move, okay? Naturally, finding a proven pass rusher was a free agency priority. The Raiders made a smart decision in their pursuit. Several quality pressure players hit the market. Las Vegas opted for the 25-year-old Yannick Ngakwe. He's produced at least eight sacks in each of his five pro seasons and was a pro bowler in 2017. His age means he can be a centerpiece for the Raiders. Las Vegas lands him in a very reasonable contract and Ngakwe had a solid season last year with the Vikings and Ravens. Eight sacks, four forced fumbles, 11 quarterback hits. LA, Las Vegas, excuse me, struggled on defense last season. This is a solid veteran, great at getting to the quarterback, a welcome addition. Why aren't you a fan of it? Okay, so I was a fan of when he went to Minnesota. I really was, you know. And, uh, you know, when he went to Minnesota, he ran up the field. He majored in passing the quarterback. Like, seriously. Like, if if there would have been a road, if there would have been a sign, it would have said, take a left here because uh, you you're going past the quarterback. He loved going past the quarterback. Zimmer went fucking nuts. He couldn't take him anymore. So, even though they gave up a high asset to get him, Zimmer's like, get this guy out of here. He'll never take on the tackle. He won't go inside on the pass rush. He runs to run up the field. Okay? The Ravens. I liked it when he went there. The Ravens get him. There was times during the season the Ravens wouldn't put him on the field because why? He's running past the fucking quarterback. Like, the quarterback has yet to turn and run in that direction. In the history of the National Football League, the quarterback has yet to turn and run in the opposite direction. So when you go past the quarterback as a defensive rusher, you're basically now playing 10 on 11. If that's what you're comfortable with, feel free to do so. And I'm sure that guy from Bleacher Report has charted it. But the reality of it is, is guys had 25 quarterback hits in the last 30 games, 16 sacks. Okay. If he doesn't start powering tackles back, they'll just ride him past the quarterback, set inside out on him and ride him past the quarterback. And he won't fight inside. 
Okay, he won't fight inside. So for me, I didn't like it. You know, 21 million total guaranteed for two years, 13 million this year. He's got another eight coming next year. I think it's expensive. Now, here's what I would say in defense of the Raiders. I would say this. He's going to go play in the Gus Bradley scheme that likes to play those ends wide and run up the field. Bradley loves that kind of shit, right? But at some point, you got to power the tackles. And until he does that, you know, it's really a one and a half year contract. I think the Raiders are going to be disappointed. All right. So those are the store moves, like you said, that you love, that you hate. <laughs> this is a funny category. Three moves that would look good in 2015. Wide receiver AJ Green to Arizona. Arizona, the place where you got cactus and washed up players. Agreeing to terms in a one-year deal, the Cardinals base value of six million. Again, to play devil's advocate, Mike, well, they say it's only one year, it's six million. He's been great in the past, to which you would say? I would say, look, based on, you know, past performance predicts future achievement. Right. And if a guy looks like he's dead <laughs> last year, then I think he's dead this year. Like, I don't like signing older players that I think are that that didn't play well the year before, especially if I have to sign them to more than a minimum. Like if I got him for the minimum, I'd say, OK, great. But now I got to give him money. I mean, last year he averaged 11.1 yards to catch. That's four yards below what he did in 18. Like, that's three and a half yards below his career. He got the ball in the end zone two times. Like, seriously. Like, he doesn't take the top off the defense anymore. So, he's just, even though his name is A.J. Green, is he really the same player? The last time he played well was in 17. He had 1,000 yards. He had 14-4 average. You know, he got the ball in the end zone eight times. He's had the ball in the end zone eight times in the last two seasons. Like, it's just because it's A.J. Green doesn't mean he's the same player. I, I mean, that's why I said in 2015, Shit, yeah, he averages 15 one a catch, 80 touch, eighty yards this long, 10 touchdowns, sign me up. So that's the one move there who would look great years ago. How about Kyle Long? That's right, the guard at Kansas City, new one-year, $1.5 million deal, could be worth up to $5 million with incentives. Yeah, I, I mean, look, I love Kyle Long as the player. I love them coming out of college. I, I wish we would have, you know, drafted him. There was, people were concerned about his off-the-field behavior, you know, early in his life, which he's turned that completely around. You know, this kid was a dynamic baseball pitcher at Florida State. I mean, you could you see this big son bitch on the mound throwing at you? I'd be like, get me out of here. Like, whoa, a left-handed pitcher, you know, I mean, but... I just worry about players that have had a history of injuries and you sign them, you can't count on them. Now they did a contract that's you don't have to count on. So, but if this was 15, this would be a great signing. You know, this would be great, but I'm just not sure in 2021 after missing a year of football and doing CBS HQ that he's going to be able to stay healthy the whole time. I hope he does. Cause I love the kid. Yeah, exactly. Everyone roots for the guy. Good guy. Obviously cornerback, Patrick Peterson in Minnesota, one year, $10 million contract. You're not buying 10 figures for this guy going to the Vikings. No, you know, I, I was never really, I, I, I thought he was a weakness to the, one of the things that I thought was one of the problems with their defense last year was their secondary play. You know, they've got, you know, Butta Baker's really a good player. They really is a good player. But, you know, when you look at Peterson and you watch him over the course of times, he hasn't really been making very many plays on the ball. He had eight passes broken up all of last year in 16 games. You know, that's not very good. You know, he he doesn't really, you know, he's had five interceptions the last two seasons. So for me, I think he's lost a step. Now, one thing I will say, Mike Zimmer is really good at understanding what a player can and can't do. You know, and I think he'll play better. But to me, if this was 15, you know, when he was really humming, when he was really making a ton of plays and he was hard to, to beat at the line of scrimmage, 
You know, I would say, yeah. I mean, the one thing about Peterson, he's been durable. He, you know, two years ago, he missed six games. Last year, he played in all of them. The only time he ever missed games was 2019. But at his age, at 31, to me, that's the cusp of when corners don't. And I just worry about that. All right, so those are the uh, three moves, like I said, were look good in 2015. Not even funnier category, three confusing moves. Number one, cornerback Shaquille Griffin to Jacksonville. Three years, $44.5 million deal with Jacksonville, $29 million guaranteed. So we got uh, Shaquille Griffin, also Shaquem Griffin, the former Seahawks linebacker, signed with them. So the brothers reunited. By the way, that Griffin is a special teamer. 25 total tackles, only one sack. As I mentioned, Shaquille Griffin, he's let's sign the big deal. The Griffin brothers are from St. Petersburg, Florida. They played their college ball at UCF, returned to their home state, played for the Jaguars. But you're not feeling this one on Shaquille Griffin. You know, for me, watching what Jacksonville's doing, you know, I see Trent Balky moves in their team. I see, you know, Urban Myers move in their teams. I see different coaches having an influence on their team. Like everybody's getting a bat. Everybody's getting a bat. Joe, you know, Malcolm Butler, Malcolm Brown, the defensive tackle. Played for Charlie Song. Sure, let's sign him. Jaheed Ward played for Joe Cullen. Let's sign him, you know? And so I see a little bit of that. And what I worry about, when you take a corner from Seattle, you have to understand that you're not getting a man-to-man corner. You know, it's what happened with Philadelphia. When they signed, you know, they signed, spent all that money on Maxwell, you know, because everybody's convinced that Seattle's running man-to-man. You know, PF Pro Football Focus says they play man-to-man 90% of the plays. They play zone. It plays zone. It's a zone concept up there. It becomes man-to-man, but it starts as a zone concept. And I worry when you take a corner from a zone concept, and if you want to play a lot of man-to-man, how's he going to hold up? So that's really what's confusing. I wasn't sure. I'm not sure what scheme they're going to run down in Jacksonville. I really don't. I don't know what scheme Joe Collins going to run. Are they going to run the? Are they going to run the? You know the Jacksonville scheme from last year. Are they going to run that? The, the, the Pete Carroll scheme. Is that what they're going to do? I know one thing. If Joe Cullen's coaching the defense, the defensive guys will be running up the field. They'll probably have three of the four defensive linemen pass the quarterback. They probably will because Joe don't care about that. Joe just cares about getting up the field. And so, and I love Joe to death, but, you know, in terms of keeping the quarterback in front, that's not the, that's not the school he's from. He's from get up the field, play the run along the way. We'll see how this works out. Yeah, Shaquille Griffin, listen, he was part of the Legion of Boom, the Latter-day Legion of Boom, you could call it. He had four seasons, four playoff starts, one-time Pro Bowler, six interceptions, played at least 80% of Seattle's defensive snaps in his first three seasons, 71% last year. So they're going to pair him with C.J. Henderson. That looks to be their starting cornerback duo. But I hear your point about how does personnel fit? Because, listen, he is the highest-priced addition for a team that is obviously trying to turn things around as quick as possible. That gets us to the Drake. Love the Drake. Kenyon Drake to Las Vegas. A two-year, $11 million deal, a max value of $14.5 million. Another head-scratcher here for you, Mike, from Las Vegas. Well, look, the Drake. So, I don't know if I've ever said this story before. We're, I was at a Super Bowl party with Belichick. It was the year they played the Giants in Indianapolis. And we're having a private party at this steakhouse in Indianapolis. And and we're all, all it's all Bill's friends, close friends. We're all sitting up there. And... Uh, and Stephen, no, Brian Belichick sitting across from me, and I see Brian like his eyes are just in a complete panic, and I like, like what the hell's going on here? And uh, and I turn around, and and he's and he's like, that's Drake, that's Drake, and I'm like, who the fuck is Drake? I, I don't even know. <laughs> who's Drake? I have no idea who Drake is. So the great Canadian singer. Yeah. I turn around. Yeah, I turn around and and you know I he introduced himself. I introduced myself. He I, I mean you know we shake hands. We take a picture. He want he was in awe of Belichick. He wanted to meet Belichick. That's why he came up there. He wanted to meet Belichick. 
You know, so who couldn't root for that guy? But the Drake that we're talking about, <laughs> here's my issue. I think Kenyon Drake's a good player, but here's the problem. Josh Jacobs had 273 carries. Every time you take him off the field, you're doing a good, you're doing, you're doing a favor for the defense. Booker had 93 carries. Okay. Great. Booker was an economic value player. Tremendous, right? But now, do you want to lower, if you want to lower Jacobs' numbers, if you want to lower his numbers and you want to kind of split the duties, do you really want to pay this much money to split the duties? Like, wouldn't you be better off drafting this position? You know, like, let's say, Let's say, you know, uh, let's, we'll split them up. We'll see what we can do. I mean, last year, Drake had, he had 239 carries. He had 955 yards, 10 touchdowns. He played really well. I mean, he played really well, but he needs the ball, you know, again, 25 receptions in the passing game. You know, that's all he had last year. So what are we doing? Are we taking, are we going to take this guy off the field? That's what makes it for me hard to understand. Yeah, it's $11 million guaranteed to back up Josh Jacobs. Anthony Tricia, Pro Football Focus, was saying that Drake ranks 51st among 57 qualifying running backs in receiving grade since he entered the NFL in 2016. That's a major factor in him owning a single-season career best war ranking of 24th. All that means is that they like him as a pass catcher, but so far, his grades don't match the hype. They think he's a dynamic receiving weapon, but $11 million guaranteed to back up a guy who hasn't shown it yet. Speaking of backups... Quarterback Mitch Trubisky. This is the third year as he goes to Buffalo. That's right. MVP Mitch, a one-year, $2.5 million contract, $1.5 million fully guaranteed, max value of $4.5 million. For perspective, four years ago, Trubisky received a $19.25 million signing bonus under a contract that paid out more than $29 million over four seasons. Before we bash MVP Mitch, here's Ryan Pace, the 2017 press conference regarding why they drafted Mitch Trubisky with a number two pick. Just as I studied all these quarterbacks, his... Um his accuracy jumps out right away. His ability to process and see the whole field jumps out right away. Um, he's, he's very athletic. He can extend the play. And one, and one trait you'll notice is, as quarterbacks are extending the play, the ability to move around and keep his eyes downfield still looking for open targets instead of just ducking the ball and wanting to run. So very good on third down, very good uh, completion percentage with pressure in his face. Um, just a lot of traits that he has that translate well to the NFL game. Clearly comments, Mike, that have not aged well. Yeah, I mean, poor Ryan. I mean, first of all, I never thought he was very good on third down. I mean, I thought it was a, you know, he struggles on third down. Uh, he, I thought he struggled processing. And if anybody watched Carolina tape and thought Mitchell Trubisky was accurate, that they had the jersey numbers fucked up. I mean, they just weren't watching the same guy. I mean, literally, that, 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 that evaluation of Trubisky by pace is so fucking wrong. It was wrong the day he said it. It was proven wrong four years later. Like, to me, like, I wouldn't let this guy evaluate a quarterback. Like, keep him in. Like, we're, Ryan, don't, no, don't go out and evaluate quarterbacks anymore. You stay home. You stay right here, okay? Like, there's no fucking way we're doing that. So, look, here's my problem with this signing if I'm Buffalo. The number one thing a backup quarterback has to do is be able to play without any reps, He's got to be able to cough twice, get some, get some, get some stick him on his hands, and go out there and start playing. No reps in practice, know the game plan inside and out, be able to go out there and execute. That ain't Mitch. That ain't Mitch needs to be grooved. Need, Mitch needs to go the driving range. Mitch needs to be able to drive the you know, practice, practice. How it's going to go in practice. How is it going to go in practice? 
You know, and I'm sure what Brian Dayball will do is have a really small package package for him. He'll have the MVP Mitch package so that if he has to go in there and play, it'll be a condensed. And then eventually. So I get that. But to me, the one thing I want with my backup is I want dependability. I want reliability and intelligence and being able to execute on a whim. And I'm not sure if Mitch can do that. If their starting quarterback gets hurt, they're going to be in trouble. Everybody knows that. As always, you can follow Mike on Twitter, M Lombardi NFL, myself, Adnan Esferk. You can follow our show's Instagram page at the GM Shuffle. When we come back, more threes. Three moves that made sense and three teams with work to do, plus the latest on Deshaun Watson. Don't go anywhere. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, these second-round playoffs have been unreal, and we have the conference finals now on the horizon. Make sure you get all those futures bets in before the value disappears. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets in. Instantly download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance, see dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Okay, now three moves that made sense. Quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick, that's right, Fitzmagic goes to Washington, a one-year $10 million deal with a max value of $12 million. He seems like a guy in some ways, Mike, I don't want to say perennially underrated, but maybe underappreciated. You see Ryan Fitzpatrick, you go, okay, this guy's a decent backup quarterback. He has moments of fleeting greatness, but he's never really going to get paid. But for a one-year $10 million deal, listen, where would the Dolphins have been a season ago without Fitzpatrick? They relied on Tua Tungavailoa, who was brittle and inconsistent. Fitzpatrick came and actually gave them a jolt in the arm. You look at Washington and say, hey, they've got a fearsome defensive front. They're building some skill players on offense. Fitzpatrick, it makes sense for you. It really did. I mean, look, Fitzpatrick, you know, they have him to come in there and he can start this thing off. And then, you know, I really think, to me, to be honest with you, I think Washington's in position. Now, you know, they picked 19th overall in the draft. I think they'll try to trade up to get a quarterback. I think they're all in on the quarterback. Now, I don't know if they're all in on Sam Donald if he gets traded, but I think Washington would be a team at 19 that's going to target to try to go up. They've got a really good defense. You know, they spent some money on the corner. They've got to fix some things in their offensive line. But for the most part, it's a good young team. And I think all they need is to fix that quarterback. So getting Fitz in there, you know, gives them some leeway to move forward as they do this. And I, and I think it, it, it's a smart play. I, look, we all know Fitz can be magical and he can also be kind of screw you up. It can go both ways. But I do think he gives them a little bit of moxie and they'll be tougher. I think they're the team to beat in the, in the East right now. Yeah, listen, you have to wonder what Philadelphia is doing. The Giants, we've mentioned a little bit of their moves, though we didn't talk about Galladay yet, but uh, maybe Washington is that team on the rise, especially if they can solidify the quarterback position. Another move that made sense for you, 
Rodney Hudson, the trade. He leaves Las Vegas, lands in Arizona, traded with the Raiders along with a 2021 seventh-round pick in exchange for a 2021 third-round selection. So Cardinals GM Steve Kimes said he was, quote, shocked when he read reports the Raiders were going to release center Rodney Hudson. So the three-time Pro Bowler did not hit up the market because Kime picked up the phone. He called Mike Mack. Let's work out a deal. And Hudson said... There was a good bit of uncertainty. The trade was a bit of a surprise, but here I am today, and that's all that matters. He didn't delve much in the circumstances that led to his departure from Las Vegas, but he did uh, text a little bit with Kyler Murray. He's excited to have uh, a great center and what could be a great quarterback. What do you like with the Hudson move? Well, I think, look, if you're going to have Murray as your quarterback, you got to keep the pocket really firm. you, you got to be good. You, you almost have to be better at the two guards and than the two tackles because he can move up and get around the tackles. Where he can't get out of the way is when the, 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 the inside side of the line isn't firm. And I think giving Hudson in there gives them a chance. He's 31 years old. You know, a third-round pick seems a lot to pay for him, but I thought it was a good move for them. You know, the Raiders have a lot of confidence. They just signed this Andre James, these co- a kid who was a college-free agent for them that they got from UCLA. They like him as a player. They feel like they can move forward. They extended his contract. So, you know, we'll see how James plays relationship to Hudson. But the one thing that I would say about the Raiders, the strength of their offense, the strength of their team was their offensive line. That will not be the case going in the next season. With Sam Young, who the right tackle is, I don't know. Denzel Good, the right guard. James has got to prove it. We really haven't seen it. Whether John Simpson is a starting guard instead of Good, I don't know. I thought Colton Miller really improved. But the thing I would say is once Carr gets hit, you got to be real careful. And I would be concerned about that. But, you know, I like the move for Arizona. And one more here in a move that made sense. Defensive tackle Dalvin Tomlinson in Minnesota. Two-year, $22 million deal that includes $16 million fully guaranteed. Now, according to ESPN's Jeremy Fowler, the Vikings had one priority to start free agency— Get Tomlinson. Minnesota called Tomlinson's agent, Pat Dye, right at noon Eastern, March 15th, as the tampering period opened. The reason why they wanted him, they want to pair him with DT Michael Pierce up front. And knowing the Giants wanted to bring back Tomlinson but might be strapped for money after the Leonard Williams extension, the Vikings got aggressive to hammer out a deal before New York and other suitors could make something happen. What do you like about the Tomlinson move here in Minnesota? I mean, Tomlinson, I mean, Tomlinson's not even a pass rusher and he had 19 quarterbacks hit the last two years. You know, I mean, how about in Dockway? I mean, who's better, right? I mean, this is a power player. I thought he played really good next to – I thought both of them. Look, Leonard Williams far exceeded my expectations for the Giants. He played much better, especially rushing the passer. This kid had three and a half half sacks last year, had 10 hits on the quarterback. He had eight tackles for losses. He played really well for them. I think it gives them some stoutness in the defensive front, something Minnesota desperately needed last year. They didn't have it. They get Daniel Hunter back. They can set the edge a little bit better. But the intern inside of the defense, defending the middle, the field. I think Tomlinson was a great, great signing for them. I think the Giants, if I were the Giants, I would have signed Tomlinson back. Galladay to me, look, here's how fucked up free agency has been. And the agents won't admit this to anybody. We won't read about this because it doesn't come from the agents. The agents turned down a lot of good deals. Galladay was offered $20 million a year before Bob Quinn got fired. Quinn offered him 20 over 20 a year, 80 million on a four-year deal that he turned down. Can you imagine turning like where are you getting 21 million? I mean, Juju Schuster, it's the same thing. I mean, he turned down, I mean, he thought he was going to make a fortune out there. The nobody understood the market is so bad. Nobody was going to believe it. No, everybody cried wolf, and they all said they're just crying wolf. It's not, it's going to change. No, it's not. And that's why, even though you could say, you know, the Vikings overpaid on a two-year deal for Tomlinson. Yeah, they did probably, right? But had this been a real market where the cap went up like it typically does, this two-year deal would have probably been a $27, $28 million deal. 
Like the numbers would have increased. There would have been more teams involved. And that's where, you know, you can rip the Patriots. You can rip whatever team you want, you know, for spending. The problem I have is not spending. It's who's your competition. Like who's your competition? Like who was going to give Galladay this number? Who was going to give it to him? Well, the Bengals were going to give it to him. I don't think so. You know, I think people were worried about Galladay, not from his talent, because he is really talented. And he's not a bad kid. He's got durability issues, and I don't know what happens off the field, but there's times stability comes into play. So whenever you have ability, but you lack door and stuff, that's not a good thing. You need durability and stability, door and stuff. If you only have ability, the door and stub get in the way. And you should only pay for players that have door, stub, ability. Those three things got to go. And that's where I had a problem with Galladay. Yeah, I was curious where you're going to rank the Galladay rank because we didn't have it formally presented here. So that's that could fit under one of those three moves that you find confusing. Like you said, good player, but an overpay. That gets us to the three teams with work to do. Kick it off the Indianapolis Colts. We're recording this on Wednesday. Adam Schefter just tweeted about an hour ago, T.Y. Hilton expected to return to the Colts in a one-year deal, $10 million. Uh, Julian Davenport expected to sign the Colts. That was yesterday. Uh, Sam Tevi, the offensive tackle as well. What is it about the Colts, though, Mike, that you say, hey, listen, you guys got to get working here. They got to get a, they got to get a left tackle, and it ain't Tevy. We saw Tevy play left tackle for the Chargers. That ain't going to cut it. He's too, you know. The one thing about being a soft tackle in the National Football League, it makes everybody a better pass rusher. Makes everybody a better pass rusher. So you know they got to get better in the, They got to get better at left tackle. I'm sure Chris Chris Ballard will get better at left tackle. I'm sure he'll work at getting better at left tackle. That's something they have to do. And then defensively, they brought Xavier Rhodes back. He played well for them last year in their zone scheme. But I think they need one more. I mean, Grover Stort played good. Buckner's a great player. I think they need one more defensive lineman in that rotation. They signed Rochelle from the Chargers, you know, but I think they need an I think they need to upgrade defensively. Look, this is a team that I think can compete against the the Chiefs especially if they can get Wentz squared away and he plays better. You know, they brought Marlon Mack back off the injury. But for me, I think they've got to get that defensive line. Now, T.Y. Hilton did not play well last year. He wasn't the same T.Y. Hilton we're used to. We'll see if he can change that. All right, Green Bay Packers, the next you want to look at here. Now, you uh, listen, we started the show by talking about the fact you like the fact they've uh, re-signed Aaron Jones, a running back, but the Packers have not restructured quarterback Aaron Rodgers' contract. Is that where you're going here with your concern about Green Bay? Well, I think they've got to. Look, if, I, I mean, look, I think with Aaron Jones and Dillard, they're really good at the backfield. I think they, if they can restructure Rodgers, look, we'll see where they go defensively. They re-signed Kenny King. That'll, that won't make Big Daddy happy, Vince. He hates Kenny King. I mean, he's, he's on the anti-Kenny King, Kevin King program. Not Kenny King. He's on the anti-program. I mean, look, they only had two free agents really going into the offseason, Mercedes Lewis and Kevin King. They brought Aaron Jones back. They got Dillard. So basically, they bring their team back. I think they just need to add to their team, and they need to get draft picks that can add to their team. Jordan Love's the only quarterback on the roster that's the backup, so they're not going to trade him, which I would do. So they're going to add from the draft. We'll see how they do. And the last team with some work to do right now is the Tennessee Titans. Um Interesting where they're going here. Perhaps some offense. I saw Mel Kuyper saying they were 22 pick in the draft. Not sure where they could be going per se, but the Titans, listen, a day ago, I saw this article, they got 30 million in cap space. I mean, what are you thinking right now if you're the Titans? What would you like to see them start doing? Well, they got to get better in the secondary, right? I know I know they, you know, they let Adoree Jackson walk. God forbid, you know, they didn't even compete on that one. They signed Janoris Jenkins. Okay, you know, he's kind of, 
will give them maybe a year, but I think they've got to get better there. They signed Kendall Lamb to be their right tackle, see if he can hold up. You know, the big fella ran the ball effectively. They've got good weapons. I think a lot of this is going to be defensively. And Landry's got to stay healthy. That's going to be key. What are they going to do with Daquan Jones? I know they've offered him, but, you know, the money's dried up. See, this is what's happening in the market. Agents don't want to take deals because the deals are so lower than typically what they should be. And so, like, a Daquan Jones, who plays good for them, is a free agent. They probably wanted to sign him. He didn't want to sign. And now he's in this market and he can't get, it's like Lawrence Guy. I mean, the, the Patriots probably wanted to sign Lawrence Guy back, offered him a good deal. He turned him down. And now he can't get that deal again. You know, this is what happens. You you go out there, you play you play risk, you know, like Kramer and Newman do, you know, and you, you find out that the Ukraine's weak and you, you turn out a deal and the next thing you know, that deal ain't there anymore. It's interesting, too, with the numbers. The Titans apparently have between 12 to 14 million in cap space, but NFLPA's salary cap report, the Titans have $28 million in cap space. So if they got like 30 million cap space, that's a different story. Other names out there, Mike, could be the Steelers cornerback, Steven Nelson, Bears wide receiver, Anthony Miller. So maybe the Titans could make a move in that direction. That remains to be seen. Uh, now that we've done our game of threes, let's get into Sean Watson. The numbers just keep adding up. 14 lawsuits filed, at least 10 more possibly coming. Texans and Deshaun Watson, a whole lot of issues. Now, listen, you can Google and get all the stories you want, but basically it's about a sexual impropriety here with uh, masseuses. So being interested in Deshaun Watson uh, now comes with the serious caveat here. And the teams that have been thrown out there were Eagles, Panthers, Jets, Dolphins, 49ers, and Broncos. But now if you're going to try to trade for this guy and you know that he's facing sexual assault allegations, and we've seen from Roger Goodell, he's suspended Ben Roethlisberger, six games in 2010. Antonio Brown, eight games in July of 2020. Again, for... Uh, issues involving sexual assault, sexual impropriety, et cetera. You and I have said before, Mike, that they're not going to trade him. But all these stories coming out, these potential lawsuits, how does this impact the trade market? I mean, this this is insane. People are people are writing that they, their team's still interested in Deshaun Watson. Like, I don't know who's innocent, who's guilty. I don't know that. But because I don't know it, I can't make a decision. Why would anybody trade to an unknown? Like, that's stupid. That's really stupid. Like, you're, no one's taking a chance on this. No one's taking a chance. When Leroy Collins came out, you know, and he was getting ready to get drafted and, and, and his ex-girlfriend got shot at her home, he went undrafted. Now, my Carly McCord, who passed away in that plane crash, she told me, she said, Michael, he had nothing to do with this. But I couldn't get him to where the people, the security in New England would have signed off on it just based on that. There was no evidence. So we passed. He signed a free agent contract with the Cowboys and he became a really good player, right? She ended up being correct. But that's only because she knew. The reality here, you can't deal in the unknown. You cannot deal in the unknown. There's no one trading for Deshaun Watson, no matter what the agent's putting out. But no matter what he's putting out right now in terms of teams are still interested, like stop being the agent's buffer. Let this play out and then see what happens. I still don't think Houston trades them no matter what happens. But the reality of it is, is you can't trade for a player in the level of uncertainty that we're dealing in today. That makes That's as bad a business as you could possibly have. And there's no owner that you're going to be able to walk into and say, you know, I think we should trade for him anyway and take our chances. And we're going to have to give up three number ones and three number twos if they'll even trade him. Like, seriously, 
if they wanted to trade them now, if they called you on the phone and said, we'll trade them, wouldn't that send a red flag up to you? Yeah, it's um, like you said, the guy's coming with baggage. Nobody wants baggage, okay? You want a guy who's going to come in, make an impact right away. Why would you give up a lot? You could give up, let's just say, right? Three first-round picks, a couple of starters for a guy who might miss half the season. Like, there's just no way you're going to do that. Why would you take that kind of risk, especially in the NFL? It's win now. And like you said, everything's going to get sorted out. But Goodell has proven before, just because a guy doesn't go to jail or there's no criminal charges, if, if he looks at the evidence and he deems it worthy of being a suspendable offense, he'll do so. So this is a very risky situation right now for any team looking for Deshaun Watts. All right, we'll come back and close up shop. Talk a little March Madness has some great stories so far in college basketball. That's next. While March Madness has been a story of upsets in 2021, Loyola Chicago, who has Michael Lombardi tweeted, they might as well just be wearing the hickories at this point. Oral Roberts, the number 15. Oral Roberts coming up big, but I love Sister Jean, Mike. Loyola Chicago, 2018 trip to the Final Four. For those who forget, Sister Jean, the venerable team chaplain, received both COVID-19 vaccination shots and clearance to travel to Indianapolis to see what inspiration she could provide. 101-year-old superfan Sister Jean. So far, it's happening. Loyola beats Illinois 71-51. 58. They, let's think about this, Mike. In a pregame prayer, she called for Loyola to hold Illinois to under 30% from three-point range. The prayers were answered. They shot 28.6% from three. I love this story. God bless her. It's unbelievable, right? But, I, you know, for any coach that listens to this podcast or any, any assistant, head coach, whoever listens, I think what we can really learn from Loyola of Chicago is Porter Mosier, the head coach, these players... First of all, they practice. So I, I, I don't want to ever, if you're a head coach, you, you'd never want to not take players that don't practice because the only chance you have to get better is to practice. Like, I don't want to hear this shit. Like, that's why LSU is never going to win a tournament because they're like an AAU team, right? They, 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 they don't practice. They have four legitimate NBA players and they don't want to practice. So they, they can never get gritty. They can never get dirty. You know, it's the same thing. I worry about Florida State that way. But I think when you watch this Loyola Chicago program, they practice. That's one. Two, he teaches them the essence of the game of basketball. They're all really smart. I mean, all these kids play smart. And they don't play smart because it's instinctive. It's been taught. He teaches a class in Basketball 101. And that's the essence of really how to improve your team. How do you make your team better? You got to teach the, the game to the players. That's why I call him Hickory. That's all Coach Dale was trying to do. He was trying to teach the game to the players. You know, here's where we go. Here's your defensive help, right? I mean, some of those kids, I was telling my man, Bill, some of the, the one, the point guard for Loyola, Chicago, I don't know his name. I mean, literally, if he showed up at Bill's house to date Bill's eight, 17-year-old daughter, I, I would think he's too young. Like, he, the, the one, doesn't the kid look like he's way too young? Yeah, the very like, fresh face like, of these guys. There's Absolutely. no way that guy's. There's no way that guy's getting served at a bar in the next five years. No chance. <laughs> it's amazing seeing these fresh faces. And one of the great stories, always with the March Madness, is a legendary coach doing it again. Syracuse makes the tournament, Mike, as a number eleven seed, and some would argue a bubble team. Although I talked to a Buddy when he goes, "Listen, it's a major conference. Don't believe the hype that they barely made the tournament." Having said that, they're an eleven seed, okay. And once again, you never count out Jim Beheim. The Sweet Sixteen. This is the twentieth time they've done it under Jim Beheim. Am I? be one of the sweetest stories ever because it's Buddy Bayheim stepping up big. His son is averaging 28.3 points, 24 three-pointers in two ACC tournament games, two NCAA tournament games. 
a double-digit seed. They're there once again. Buddy Bayheim. This guy's been unbelievable. I mean, according to the numbers, 55 points, first two games. That's the third most in team history. Gary Clark, Jerry McNamara had 56 back in 04. Jim Bayheim does it again. Amazing, right? And it really proves Napoleon. Napoleon once said that you, you want to keep your plan simple so that your enemy knows what you're doing, right? You want to keep the plan simple so the enemy, your enemy knows what you're trying to do. And I think that that's Syracuse, right? That's the concept behind Seattle's defense, right? Syracuse plays this 2-3 zone. And everybody knows they're going to play the 2-3 zone. And so everybody works on the plays that beat the 2-3 zone, right? Well, the problem is, because that's all Syracuse runs, they know every play that beats the coverage. They know every play. They've run those plays way more than you've run them. They've been running them since day one. They're so better at running those plays, you can't run them as good as they run them. And so it's simple. And he can fix the problems. And so it's really it's really an, a le- lesson in, in coaching 101. If we keep it simple, we can figure out how they're going to attack us. And we know how they're going to attack us. And so we attack how they attack us. And it's really what they do. And that's why, you know, those play sheets that we see in the NFL, 50 fucking thousand plays. Like, you can't run all those plays good. Like Dan Henning told me once, look, if you don't have any tendencies, you ain't any good. And it's the same in basketball. You know, Loyola plays man-to-man. They play it well. They repeat it. They do it over. Why? Because they practice and practice and practice. You know, they're not an AAU team. They practice. And so it gets better. And that's why we learn so much from watching basketball, especially as a football coach. You can learn so much from the game, pace, style, and then how to attack and how to play simplistically. If you know the plan, doesn't matter how simplistic it may seem, right? You execute it perfectly, and that's why Syracuse is successful once again. But a different tournament, right? We're used to seeing the Dukes and the Kentuckys. They're not there. North Carolina bounced early. Instead, there's a different feel to it, but still exciting. I just hope we'll get fans, uh, God willing, next year, because it has been obviously a different vibe without the roars of the crowds. But still fun to have March Madness back, and it's still fun to see Stanley Tucci searching for Italy. As you and I had said, episode six, we are fired up for this one, Sicily. You've got houses near active volcanoes. He talks about the influence of the mafia, the fact that those judges were assassinated, that changed things in Sicily where all of a sudden organized crime finally got taken down by the government. There's a real example in Sicily, the class structure, Mike, between the rich and the poor and a lot of fish. Obviously Sicily near the water, a lot of seafood. Yeah, and the influence of the Arab nations, which are so close, Malta. I mean, I think this, there's a similar lesson to learn, right? What's that saying that, you know, history doesn't repeat itself but it rhymes, right? What caused pop Pablo Escobar to finally have trouble with the with the Colombian government is when he killed when he when he blew up that airplane when he when he crossed the line. Everybody loved Escobar in in Colombia. You know he was given to soccer teams. He was given. He was trying to become the president of the United States. He blew up that airplane and killed innocent bystanders. Everybody forgot him. Same thing in Sicily. They killed those two judges. Everybody forgot him. And I think that it, I thought it was the best episode. Ad, I really did. I thought the food looked incredible. I thought the scenery looked great. I love Sicilian red wine. I love their wine down there. Uh, I mean, it made me want to go there. I thought I thought the town looked really, Palermo looked incredible. Uh, you know, I, I just thought it was really one of his best episodes because we got to see some of the cooking. We got to go to a vineyard, which I thought was really good. And, uh, you know, and now I'm, I'm what am I going to do on Sunday night? I'm not, I'm not going to be hungry at 10 o'clock every <laughs> Sunday night now. What, what the hell? And now... 
now, I mean, he won't be able to go back there to 2022 or have to wait forever. Yeah, I believe they said the second season did get picked up, but you're right. I don't know when the hell this is going to happen. It's going to take a while before he starts shooting this thing. But uh, to your point about the uh, the Arab influence, uh, fascinating when he said spaghetti originally from the Arabs, and it was with, I think he said, raisins and cinnamon. I said, wow. I mean, no disrespect, but thank God we went with the meatballs, marinara sauce. My grandmother's not Sicilian, but she used to put raisins in her meatballs. The raisins were a huge, huge staple, especially in the southern region of Italy. Yeah, that's unbelievable. Like raisins with spaghetti. I, who knew? But I guess, like you said, it's been around for a while. Um, yeah, at least we won't be starving now on Sunday nights. Great stuff from Stanley Tucci. Check it out uh, once again on CNN. This was a lot of fun. Uh, great recap here of what's happening for agency. We're going to continue to build ahead to the NFL draft and all the latest stories. Check us out on the GM Show. Thanks for listening.